Hello! Welcome! This is it. Yet another week of real disagreement. Ooh. Yeah, I decided to kind of get a little growl. I didn't roll the R on it. Um, that was my throat roll. No, yeah, I love it. Your throat roll? Like... Let's never say that. What's the worst sushi dish I can get? Oh, can I get the throat roll? Bring that on over here. Extra wasabi. I'm Amy. <laughs> I'm Rob. This is the podcast where we make the other watch movie they have not seen and probably won't like, and then we talk about it. This week, I think, lived up to its billing. Yeah. In a big way. Well, and before we get started, a couple things at the top. This episode's coming out late. Yep, late episode. Sorry. We've gone back to work, and Amy can't handle her shit, so... Wow. I wasn't going to pin it all on you, but you're right. No, it was, my, right. It was my fault. No, it's fine. it's fine. I needed to come home and go to bed at 6 p.m. every night. You have a very demanding job. Um. Well, yeah. Well, it's more just that I'm learning it. That's... Yeah. It hopefully, demands that you learn it. Hopefully it'll get easier. It will. Um, and then, also, I want to put in a little plug for an interesting opportunity that we had... Last week, yep. or a week, I don't even know. The days are One all the same. Um, we were invited to be on our uh, local college radio station, KCOD. Yep. And be on one of their shows called Open Book. And that's um, hosts Todd Goldberg and Maggie Downs talk about books. And they invited us in to give us a chance to plug the podcast and mm-hmm. also to talk about... Um, Literary adaptations into film. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience. Lots of fun. Because I got to see that it's not just me. What's that mean? (laughs) I know what you mean, but go ahead, say it, spell it out. Well, I said this on the episode with your wife, where I often feel like I'm just stupid. No. or, Or that I'm underexposed and certainly the most of the world is underexposed in terms of movies when it come when compared to you but well, that's not at all what I thought you were going to say here uh, okay. well let me finish um wow I often <laughs> feel like dumb and so I kind I call it when Rob blah blah blahs and so I just let Rob blah 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 oh okay and I'm then right. and then do my best to keep up my end I thought it was my favorite. This is not what I thought you were going to say. But then when we were sitting there and watching Todd and Maggie's eyes glaze over as you blah, 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 I realized, oh, it's not me. It's Rob. I, I, I We're coming <laughs> to the same conclusion, but from very different angles. I thought it was more of a, oh my God, Rob is such an asshole. I don't think you're an asshole. They, everyone clearly, I'll be like, well, actually, I'll get in some pedantic thing. You're pretentious, and you're pedantic. Can I just be one or the other? I don't like having both. Can I just have one of them? No, you're pee-pee. Oh, thank you? Works. I need to get a third P in there just to (laughs) not sound like piss. Pretty? I'm not pretty. Um, Petite? Not really petite either. Polarizing. Polarizing. There we go. I'll be Triple P. That'll be my wrestler name. But, so, you thought that I, where, what did you think? I thought you were just going to say that I'm not, you're not the only one who finds me to be an asshole. Oh. Other people do, too. I don't find you to be an asshole. Okay. You know, Facebook told me today that it's our three-year friend anniversary. I saw that. And I was going to send you a message that said, go fuck yourself. Wow, that would have been perfect. <laughs> I saw that your birthday is in two days. Yeah. Is it two days? What day is it? Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, so it's in two days. <laughs> it's your birthday we're talking about. I know. 
Okay. I um, told you all the days have mushed into one, and there have been so many birthdays. Like ha- ninety. Yeah, well, mine's a week after yours. Yeah, ninety percent of my family is Leos, and they go from it means nothing to me. Sh- well, it starts with mom. Okay. Gail. July. Moms do. July do start with moms. Yeah, July twenty third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, I mean, three, four birthdays a week through the end of September. And then now mm-hmm. in my new position, three of us had birth- have birthdays within a week of each other. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, it's the Christmas Thanksgiving effect. Right. No, that part I understand. I, I yeah. was more just thinking about, I'm drawn to the idea that, I don't know, is there something about being, a, and not in an astrological sense, I don't believe in astrology at all. But is there something about people born at a certain time of year are more likely to have certain kinds of experiences so they're drawn to jobs like yours or whatever it is. Like your whole family is in either creative endeavors or education, essentially. Well, and the one who's not an educator was the only planned child. Mm. And she was born in April. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> she and was And the people not, you work with are all, all in education and all in some kind of social service. She was not a result of Christmas time Bailey's drinking. Is that the the drink? Oh yeah. At home is Bailey's. Yeah, because my because the story I've been told is mom didn't used to drink that much, but she'd make exceptions for not that she drinks a ton. That sounded like I'm saying she's a booze. No, no, she. I understand. (laughs) Um, She is. But there was like that uh, Bailey's, you know, fun times. The Bailey's loophole. Yeah, between November and New New Year's. Okay. The Bailey's loophole. Yeah, it's a technical legal term. Yeah. Well, I made Um, it through. (laughs) I. We'll tell you in a bit. I think I know what you need for your birthday. Oh. But I'm pained. I wish I had ordered it five days ago so I could have it here to give to you during the recording because that would have been better. Is it a t-shirt that says Central Florida University? You're close. <laughs> it's a t-shirt that says Dragon Sound. Oh, okay. I would totally wear that. Yeah. That shirt's going to be amazing. Yeah. I so anyway, uh, we'll get there. We'll talk about Dragon Sound there was lots of t-shirts that said Central Florida University. Oh, it's they're clearly... Yeah. Someone knew someone. I thought it was interesting. We we themed these movies up with the mm-hmm. theme of So Bad It's Good. But another or, theme emerged. I think two themes emerged, oh. actually. One that I texted you about was Florida. Yeah. Because I don't actually... Miami. They don't ever say it, but Wild Things is clearly in Miami. Yeah. Um, but they never say the words. Uh, I don't recall if they did or not, but no, they, it's definitely there. Attention. And then, yeah, um, Miami Connection, which actually takes place in Orlando. Yeah. Which is oh amazing. Oh my gosh, I never, oh yeah. yeah they're the, never actually in Miami, they're always in Orlando. But the guy with the fedora at the beginning was, uh, he was in Miami. Maybe. That's how you know things are dangerous and shady is if there's a fedora. That's, that's why people avoided me in high school. That's why. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was that horrible kid who wore a fedora to school. I am deeply embarrassed and ashamed. Ugh. I can't believe I've now admitted this. There's still some of them out there. Oh, I um, was terrible. Yeah, and they Miami Connection's real proud that it's Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other theme I think actually is both of these movies are so um, representative of the time in which they came out. Mm, that's true. Like, Miami Connection is so 80s. <laughs> like It's so good. The clothes, the music, the <sighs> weird... I'm so excited to talk about Miami Connection. Benetton-style philosophy that's in there. Interesting, yeah. That's accurate, yeah. Right? Super oh, yeah, Benetton. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, for younger listeners, you're going to have to that look that up. That was a fashion line whose <laughs> advertising shtick was that they united all the people of the world, and the ads would have like 40 people, all from different countries and ethnicities. All, and it was the United Colors of Benetton. Which, now saying that out loud sounds kind of fucked up, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, United Colors of Benetton, and it, oh, that doesn't yeah. sound nice. It was a good idea. I feel like its heart was in the right place, but totally. terminology has kind of moved in that 30 years. Yeah. Ooh, man. Yeah. And then Wild Things, which came out, I think, 97? Yeah, around there. 98. So, it, it, it's... 98. It is so late 90s. Oh, yeah. It is... It's one of those movies that took all the worst lessons from Tarantino. It's that period of everything post-Tarantino, post-Pulp Fiction, and Reservoir Dogs was going to be a noir of some kind, was going to be a crime movie, and be ultra-stylish, but not necessarily have a lot of brains in its head. There's a whole wave of that stuff. I don't know. I didn't see any of that. Because my feeling, mm. my feelings on Wild Things are, is that you, it's not trying to be noir. It's a farce. You have to go into it knowing that it's a farce. And then it's like watching a spaghetti western I, melodrama. It's hilarious. I agreed with you on that statement <laughs> before watching it again. Okay, but let's... Uh, okay, let's start. Let's start with Wild Things. Wild Things. So here's my uh, haiku for you. Bad folks do bad things. Sex crimes, murder, graft, and boats. Who is screwing who? Pretty good. That was only one haiku? Yeah, that was one haiku. Wow. Yeah, that was good. I feel like what's, that really what's wrapped What's graft? Up. Graft is bribery? Graft is uh, stealing in one way or another. Huh. I didn't know that Yeah. Um, usually, it, graft is like conning people in some way. Not just stealing like robbing a bank, but if you con somebody. I thought that was graft. grift. Isn't that both? Aren't both? No, no grift. But grift is conning and then graft, graft is political corruption. Shit. Well, there was some of that too. Yeah, but now I feel like a fool. <laughs> I feel that like wasn't asshole. my intention. No, it's fine. I, I, I deserve it. I don't. I'm not throwing I you under that. I truly was lost. Grift. Oh, he's writing it down. Yeah, I'm adjusting. <laughs> Even though we're never gonna posterity. read it again. <laughs> for me, as an old man, when I'm going back through my there we go my papers. Um, okay, so wild things. Oh. Here's the problem with discussing wild things, and we need to have an agreement before we get into it. This movie, Turns after the first the 25 minutes, is all spoiler city. So are we spoiling the shit out of this movie? Oh. Yeah. Even the very end? Because that's the thing. Like, talking about this, I don't know how to get into it without major... The, the setup of the movie is... I okay, think, let's talk about the setup first. I think we can talk about it without talking about the very end. Okay. I don't think we need to talk about that because at that point things have twisted and turned so much that it all kind of becomes irrelevant. So, well, here's the the setup of the film. And I actually hate the ending. Oh, we're going to get into it. <laughs> so, the first viewing of this movie I actually think is really excellent. The second viewing of this movie is an excruciating exercise. Okay, because I've seen it like eight or nine times now. Has it just come full circle for you? It's back to wonderful. I enjoy it. Um, I think it's fun. It opens. It's a. It's a. It's a noir. It's in that like uh, body heat mold is what it's trying to establish a bit. Okay. Yeah. Of that, you know, sweltering southern heat mystery. Even though we've lusty already thing. established that I haven't seen Body Heat. Which you need to. It's great. 
Oh, yeah, because it, like, opens with the the ubiquitous swamp Which, the opening boat. shot was, like, my favorite thing in the movie. Yeah. Of this fan boat skimming over the surface of a swamp. I thought it was metaphorically yeah. really rich of someone who's just going over the top of all this corruption. Yeah. And, and all the terrible the creatures within. There's crocodiles. the alligators and the all the rest. So that's pretty interesting. And then we go to... Uh, it's in Miami. It must say it at some point, because I wrote down Miami in big print. It must say it at some point. I don't think so. Hmm. Well, uh, there's a... It's just a, so clearly Miami. It is very clearly Miami. There's a high school guidance counselor, played by Matt Dillon. Making us look bad. Making out every male, every educator, <laughs> every guidance counselor look bad. That's going to be another problem. <laughs> a male English teacher and a guidance counselor discussing this movie is an area fraught with landmines. Yeah. Well, let's just get this out of the way. There's I don't only... approve of anything that happens in this fucking movie. Because <laughs> there's only two kinds of movies that are ever made about teachers. There's Stand and Deliver. Yeah, there's Heroes. And there's I'm Fucking the Kids. Yeah. Those are the only two. Yeah. This is in the second category. Yeah. Um, Can't we just make movies about mediocre teachers? There's TV shows about that it that just, are really like, good. do their jobs and go home and drink some wine. Some friends of friends of mine, <laughs> like, we're not, like, tight, but we know one another, have a show on True TV called Those Who Can't, about inept high school teachers, and it's but a terrific show. I didn't, I didn't want inept, that's what I'm saying. Well, like, those three are inept. The other teachers are all mediocre. Huh. Yeah. A- AP Bio is pretty funny. AP Bio? So there's good TV shows about yeah. it. Yeah. But this is, well, movies don't do that. Anyway, so... Um, there's a guidance counselor played by Matt Dillon. I like Matt Dillon a lot. Let's get that out of the way real quick. I do quick. too. He's terrible in this. He's terrible in most things that he does, and I still like him. Do you see who was originally supposed to play the Matt Dillon part? I told you I did no research for these movies. This Let week. me tell you. <laughs> the original choice for this would have made it five times better. Robert Downey Jr. Oh. It would have been really interesting with him in it. But... Oof. He has so much kind of cleverness and charm and smarminess. But I don't... Oh, yes, he's all those things, but I don't see him as skeevy. Oh. I think he's way skeevier than Matt Dillon. That's probably my problem with the movies. Well, Dillon's he, not skeevy anymore. In 97, 98, he was real busy with an addiction and getting arrested and getting... Right. So he didn't have time for this movie. Correct. But, you know. You know. You Do you know what his son's name is? I don't. Indio. Really? Because he got arrested out here. <laughs> That's a real weird way to memorialize. Yeah, and then it was that arrest and hitting rock bottom, supposedly, that changed him. And then he had a son, and his son was his new reason for living. And so he named him Indio, which is the city in which he was arrested with, like, I think, heroin. A friend of mine lives, like, two blocks from Robert Downey Jr. Cool. Uh, anyway. Cool story, Rob. While we're sharing anecdotes about <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. that do not fucking matter... I don't think he could have played it because Matt Dillon does skeevy real well. Well, you're going to have to agree to disagree. So, Matt Dillon's a guy who's <laughs> counselor in high school. He is a very celebrated teacher. Who seems to have nothing to do. Not much. Except for, like, bail kids out of trouble in a real personal way. He, like, reads the newspaper in his office. Well, uh, Denise Richards yeah. is a the daughter of a prominent socialite. A very wealthy, like preposterously wealthy family. And she's Denise Richards. She's very lovely and beautiful and has that kind of vapid, seductive quality that she has. Yep. Um, which works for this part. Yeah. She's, she's, she's great perfect in, this. in it. She's perfect. I suspect she's playing very close to who she kind of naturally 
projects. Not who she actually is necessarily. Yeah. But that's just kind of her, what she radiates in some yeah. way. Um, well, because she could be a perfectly lovely person. I don't know, but this doesn't seem like she's having to try real hard. It seems like this is cast really well with her. Well, and and I said that this movie's real emblematic of the '90s, and most of that is located in Denise Richards and her outfits. There's mm-hmm. the plaid. There's the chunky heeled shoes. There's what's well, the, all the like schoolgirl outfit oh, fetish shit. The white framed cat eye sunglasses. I had those sunglasses. I took my senior pictures in those I sunglasses. I still did those sunglasses. I know I love them. I'm, I wish I had them. But like her hair is like yeah. so 90s where it's like we hadn't figured out. We hadn't totally figured out like that blow drying is better than flat ironing. So it's still real poofy, but it's straight. And there's like weird highlights. And it's just poofy. This is really getting into details big. about grooming. But this is the 90s. Her clothes, her hair, okay. the cougars. That's another thing. I'll get to that later. That's their mascot? No. Okay. The women. Oh, okay. I think that was a real late 90s thing where we started saying like, oh, let's, let's be progressive and talk about older women's sexuality. I think we saw a lot of that. I feel like that was a little later, the whole idea of like MILF rising and all and cougars and all that. But I think you I think like that's saw... like almost 2000, closer to. Well, this isn't far off. Well, yeah, I guess not. Well, I feel like, yeah, I guess not. I think it was. Like I think we didn't have a name for it later, but we. Okay. But but the other thing I Stacey's wrote down. Stacy's mom is a big hit. That yeah. Kind of stuff. The the one American Pie. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the thing where I. Yeah, I guess this is that time. I, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, and the, another thing where it's really '90s, then this is a bit of a entertaining, hopefully sidebar, but um, is the that concept of the suspense. This is the sidebar episode. They're all the sidebar episode. Um, <laughs> the suspense thriller. Uh-huh. Did you ever work at a video store? I never did. Okay, so I worked at a video store. And oh, yeah. it became very clear to me that suspense thriller mm-hmm. is industry code word for softcore porn. Mm. Um, Put a little violence in there. This is when like Fish Instinct, Body of Evidence, Sliver. Sliver, yeah. Sliver was the big one. Because that one really... But pushed. that was clearly like a Basic Instinct ripoff. Yeah, but that one really pushed the envelope of, is this R or is this X? Because I've really? seen... Really? I never saw Sliver. Yeah, I saw it. It's... It, yeah. It's, it's pretty risque. I mean... But then Basic Instinct. Anyway, so I... That but it can't be more extreme than Basic Instinct. I mean, Basic Instinct has an upskirt shot. You know what, though? I don't find that scene sexual. But it's explicit. It is. It's not sexy, but it's explicit. Oh, it's sexy, but it's not sexual. How do these things... What? Because that's about power. (laughs) That scene is her exerting power. Right. Yeah. I understand that. Through her sexiness. But it's not sexual. She's not having sex. The whole movie is about sex as power. Yes. And Sliver is less intelligent and way less feminist and from a woman's point of view. Oh, we'll get to all that because next week's choices are going to touch on all this stuff. And it, but it's a lot of explicit sex in Sliver. Okay. So that's why I think it I don't kinda... know why Sliver. Basic Instinct was made by Paul Verhoeven and he's yeah. a genius. 
So I just this wild back to wild things. This kind of like like at the movie store, the video store we worked at, we kept wild things in the same section mm. as Sliver and Body of Evidence okay. and all of that. So and I think that was a real sort of nineties thing was mm. making the softcore porn that you dress up as noir or as a mystery or whatever because that is what the network USA like that's what they started with um like what was it silk stockings and red shoe diaries USA I'm pretty sure that was all or some but it wasn't like Cinemax was all the like Skinemax stuff USA never like actually showed nudity did they the USA showed red shoe diaries at night I think really yeah I think okay, we I need to get we, back to what this fucking movie's about. But, but that's sake. what I'm saying is like all of that stuff was <laughs> yeah. happening. The stuff where we can show titill- titillating softcore porn and show it on regular television. I think that there was a lot of that happening in the 90s, and then that became a hmm. section in the video store. Okay, that was all. I feel like it's it was... a real 90s thing. Terrific. <laughs> so that's my one intelligent. Contribution to... Yeah, every contribution you have is intelligent. It's my one societal nugget. There's no way you're going to hold yourself to just one, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> so, uh, Matt Dillon's a guidance counselor. Denise Richards is a student there, socialite. Seems like the popular girl kind of trope. Um, mean girl. Mean girl, very much. She would be a plastic, certainly. Yeah. Um, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, well, that's what this show has done to me. <laughs> Um, what's her name? The other girl, I can't... Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, thank you. For, speaking of now, he's a party of five. Trying so hard to not be the party of five To girl. shed that yeah. image. Um, I think she'd already done Scream when this came out. I think so. The, the first, first one, one yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's a great one. The first one was so good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I'm surprised you like it because it is scary. But there was... It has a, legit jump scares in it. There was a time in my life when I liked that. Okay. And I can still reflect fondly upon some of those. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, Nev Campbell is kind of the girl from the wrong side of the tracks. Um, there seems to be friction between these two young women. <laughs> Fast she... forward a bit. What? What did she say? She gets her clothes from the House of Whores or something like so, that. I don't remember. Um, they have a very catty relationship. Yeah. Uh, in that movie way, I don't mean catty as like a denigrating thing. That's just, that's what it's portrayed. It's a trope. It's a trope that they are fully engaging in. Uh, the De- Denise Richards character, I didn't bother to learn any of their names because I really don't care. Uh, Denise Richards character is bound and determined, it is clear, to seduce the Matt Dillon character. The Matt Dillon character has had an affair with her mother already. So there's complicated feelings there. Uh, after repeatedly pleading to give a car wash to his Jeep as the guidance counselor. He's the poor guy in the rich neighborhood who seduces all the wealthy women to supplement his lifestyle. Uh, and he, it's clear that he knows his way around boats. He, and that's how he gets into this kind of culture club society. He works on boats for all these people when he's not a guidance counselor, which all will come up later. Um, <laughs> she goes to his home to wash his car along with her friend. The friend leaves, because this is her master plan to seduce this guy. She goes into his home, having sprayed herself with the hose. Yeah. She's standing in his home soaking wet. That's the first big sexy reveal, is the, like, white pants. I was surprised how not sexy this movie was. 
I remembered it being way more explicit than it was. Yeah. It's just that the ideas are so scandalous. Be- and and this... Okay, so I can comment on that. It's, sure. It, it's because it goes back to another thing that was happening in the 90s, in particular late 90s, early 2000s, was the exploitation of girl on girl. And, yeah. And that's what this was about. Because as you will get to later, that does happen. And yeah. and that, that was the poster for this movie, was yeah. the two of them in the swimming pool. Right. And that was in the trailer. And that was a big deal. You yeah. know, you, I think it was late 90s, Ellen finally came out on TV. And then she had the gay character. And we were starting as a society to open up a little bit more to that. And the movie makers were like, well, we've been doing it Get in ready, porn buddy. for generations. So let's just put it on the big screen. You make it sound like it's a family business. Sometimes it is. Me and Ma have been making <laughs> these movies for generations. Back you in our see day. You two ladies kissing? Well, we got them. Back in our day, it would just be the two Buckley sisters pulling up their skirts so you could see their ankles. But that was girl on girl. The two Buckley sisters. You just knocked it like you made it incestual. (laughs) You made it weird. You made it real weird. But they all they did was show their ankles. Okay, you're you called it girl on girl. (laughs) That's what you said. You attacked me like uh, Rob. That's that's no reason. I quoted you. So that's nineties, super nineties. Yeah. So Girl, that's the nineties. Because there was um cruel intentions, Homespun. right? Cruel intentions and also dangerous liaisons had some in there. I think I, f- I feel like I remember the dangerous liaisons is like a crafted work of art, though. I mean, Agreed. to put it in the same sentence as these, but is... it came out at the same time. Not look earlier. up dangerously. Yeah, no, I think it's like right, ten years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, so uh, she emerges from Matt Dillon's home with her shirt torn, and she looks traumatized. She's so pouty. She's very pouty. She looks as traumatized as Denise Richards can manage. Yeah. Um, she's not a strong actress. Sorry. It looks like she went like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she accuses him of having raped her. And it seems like we're getting into a very serious melodrama. Yeah. Uh, it goes to court. Denise Richards' mother is particularly vehement and wanting to see him nailed to the wall because of their prior relationship. Her character. Because she doesn't say, like, oh, my daughter shouldn't get raped. She says, my daughter does not get raped in Blue Bay. Well, because like, it's a, it's a it, fancy neighborhood. We're so rich, the world can't touch us. Exactly. It's all about society. It's, it's a class like, thing. Yeah, it's all about class. So... Uh, he gets suspended from his job while he goes to trial. At trial, they bring in another witness, which is the Nev Campbell character, who alleges he raped her as well a couple years prior. Matt Dillon hires an attorney. The oh. MVP of this goddamn movie, Bill motherfucking Murray. I totally forgot he's that great he was in, in it. This. And then oh, he great. showed up, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's so good in it. He's great. He's he, the, as the so skeeviest lawyer in the world. Yeah. An ambulance chaser who wears a neck brace at all times to fake an injury. Um, he's great. Al- who's also pretty competent as a lawyer, it seems like. Well, we'll have to get into that. Okay. He, in theory, he should be a totally incompetent lawyer. Yeah. And he turns out to be an ultra-competent lawyer, which makes very little sense. Um, it goes to trial... On the stand, the Nev Campbell character admits she made it up. This isn't true. He didn't rape her. And what's more, she happens to know, because she's in cahoots with the Denise Denise Richards character, that he didn't rape her either. They were trying to strike out against this man to humiliate him. Yeah. It ends in a mistrial. Or not a mistrial. The charges are dropped. Yeah. 
The Matt Dillon character, whose career has been ruined, ends up reaching a settlement with the family for $7 million, I think, something like that. Awesome. Something like that, which in the 90s was a lot more than it is now. Watching it now is kind of like, that's eh, not that much. I don't know. To motivate what happens for the rest of the movie, being know. split with all these people? Yeah, good point. It's not really enough. Good point. Um, and then we find out that not only did those two supposedly have something against the teacher, or the guidance counselor, rather, what actually was going on was the guidance counselor and the two young women were all involved in this scam to clean out Denise Richards' family of their wealth, and then they're going to split all this money. Yeah, because there's some in there with a trust and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, she's in a blind trust the girl can't touch yeah, until so she's older, and she really is in love with the guidance counselor. Yeah, so they use the trust to pay Matt Dillon, right. and that's how they get access to it. Now, that leads to the big controversial scene of the three of them celebrating in a motel room their victory. And it's this infamous threesome scene. To be clear, they make it very clear that these girls are both over 18 in the movie. They There's just... a real ham-handed piece of dialogue. Yes, it's real bad. Um, um, but they clearly wanted to like, okay, this is bad, guys, but it's not that bad. It's bad, but... These people are con artists, and but they're, they're not awful, rapists. but they're not, you know. So, <laughs> the scene is a lot of softly lit shots of Denise Richards topless. Yeah. And Nev Campbell standing there awkwardly fully clothed. Yeah. Because she, she had a no-nudity clause. She would not go nude. Which I appreciate, and I'm not mocking in any way by describing this. But it but the makes scene the ends up a lot. Clunky. Yeah, the scene just isn't nearly as, whoa, as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's a little more like, oh, well, okay. The idea of it's so scandalous. Yeah. The scene itself is not nearly as provocative as I thought it was going to be. And it was... Ugh. And it was so... Ugh. <laughs> it was so girl-on-girl girl in that 90s way of, Yeah, show two girls kissing. Ow! No, but the man directing it because... Oh, yeah, that like, too. Like his actual hands pushing them yeah, towards you two. Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. And then when you put that he's older, like, it was It's all pretty rough. Real gross. It's but, a gross scene. But, I, and then on stuff like this, like, I, I feel like, I, th I think, you know, because I can't watch movies anymore without thinking about what you'd say about them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think, like, oh, we're going to have to talk about the sexual politics of this. And then I go, I don't think we do. I don't know if we do. do yeah. Because the point of it is to be gross. Like, and hey, well, I wondered good job. if it was. Good job. You were gross. I wondered I if it so. was. I wondered if it was supposed to be pretty scintillating at the time. And now it's so gross. I think it was supposed to be both. I think it was supposed to be scintillating. And then I also think it was supposed to show in some weird way that maybe Matt Dillon is the puppet master behind all of this. Well, okay, now that's a problem with the movie. This is when we start getting into some more but, spoilery stuff. But there, but there's also the, like, we were attempting to be progressive by showing girl on girl, but we still can't have girl on girl unless there's a man in I, there. I don't think there was any attempt to be progressive in this movie. Not, no, not in the movie, but I mean, like, as a society. We, like I said I, before. I don't think that's the case for this either, though. I think it's more of a, oh, we now have permission to knock... To rub up against this other taboo and to be yes. further outrageous. I guess that's what I mean. But but, God forbid you show lesbian sex. That's not going to happen. Well, it's because you gotta can't make show sure, female gotta make pleasure in a movie. Got to make sure there's a man in there. I mean, Eastern uh, um, uh, uh, History of Violence. Did you see that one? Yeah. I love that movie. 
It's that rough. movie had it's a terrific film. Maria Bello's flipping amazing. She's amazing. Well, there's a scene in that where this married couple with two yeah. kids, where he goes down on her. Yeah, yeah. And that scene caused a huge uproar because she was experience- because it's a woman experiencing pleasure, and you yeah. can't show that in a movie. You can show a woman going down on a man in every movie on the planet. It's not a big deal. And enjoying the hell out of doing it. Right. Yeah. But you can't have it the other way around. Yeah. I think it's more about that, really, that's going on here. Fucking men. You guys suck. Uh, I can't really apologize on behalf of everyone. (laughs) I would like to, very frequently. (gasps) The amount of things I see on... I I have a specific friend who I won't name for obvious reasons... She put up this thing of, she gets unsolicited pictures of men's genitals pretty much every day, twice a day. She said, she put up a count that within 50 days, she got like 65 unsolicited pictures from men. Yeah. Right? Of their of their genitals. And I was so appalled and so angry, and I didn't know what to say in response to her, of like, I know I didn't do this, but I'm <laughs> sorry somehow. Like, I don't know what to do with that as a notion. So... You're right. Men are terrible, but no. I cannot. I don't know what to do. I'm very sorry. They're not all terrible. The ones that are are really terrible, though. Yeah. Truly awful. I saw. Awful. I saw a woman online. She's a um, adult film star. Is what we're supposed to say Ooh. now. Ooh. Um, she's an adult, and she's a film star, or she stars in adult films. She starts. She's in adult films. It was a joke. Um, and she said that she gets dick pics. Yeah. And unsolicited. And her response to them is she says, how come you just sent me a picture of a child's genitals? <laughs> Which is pretty funny. But it's... And being clever about how to deal with it and publishing them or sending them to their parents or whatever else. Like, those are all funny haha things. I just can't believe they're sending them. Yeah. Why are we living just in a blows society my mind. where that's happening? And I don't understand what the thought process is. Yeah. Of here's the least attractive photo I can send to someone... <laughs> What do you think? Are you now feeling like you want to see it in real life? I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand catcalling and all that stuff. I, I, yeah. don't, I just don't get the mentality of it. Yeah. Same. You, like if you like someone and you're attracted to them, I get what that is. But for God's sake, it's like because it. Well, I, okay, I know what it is on some <laughs> level because I know catcalling does not work. And people must know catcalling does not work. Sending what are dick you pics talking does not about? Work. It works for me all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that would mean if they have the recognition in their minds to know that this doesn't work, why are they doing it? And it's got to be they're doing it just as a matter of almost meanness. I don't... Of to try and scare someone or try to yeah. intimidate them or to just assert I am here and making yeah. myself known. That's what and it that's is. That's so gross. I don't think it's meanness. I don't. I. I mean, I don't think that when it's done, it's done maliciously. I think it's oh. it's done to. I mean, most of the time, I, I think it's done to do that to assert that I am here and I validate your presence and your existence, woman over there who needs my validation, because I'm a man and I get to comment on your body. But the lack of meanness is lacking by a thread in that as yeah. soon as someone responds with, don't send this to me or why yeah. send to me, they respond with, well, then fuck you, whore. Yeah. You know, this incredibly over-the-top cruel response yeah. that is attacking them for something that is the opposite of what has now occurred. If they desexualize the situation, so they accuse them of being over-sexualized in some fashion. It's awful. It's all gross. Yeah. Well, I was talking strictly about catcalling. 
You, you I think all of it. But leave I, me I, alone. I, and the response is, fuck you. Yeah. We got way off. We did, but that's all right. Because there's, in a way, <laughs> in a way it's totally all right. Because I feel like I can't discuss a lot of this movie. Because it's so spoilery. Suffice to say this. The movie switches back and forth. It introduces a police character played by Kevin Bacon. A detective. And there's other detectives as well, but they matter less than the Kevin Bacon character does. It will turn out. Um, it turns out you never know for certain who exactly is in on the con or who has planned the con. And it gets ratcheted up over and over. There is one of them murders another one. They have to cover up the crime. Uh, and everything spirals out of control. But then at the end of the movie, it turns out it was all one person's plan the whole time. Yeah. Someone who, it could not possibly have been their plan. Yeah. It's not possible. We see their dead body. And if the movie made it so that you never saw that body, you could maybe go, I'd go with yeah. it. Yeah. You see them dead wrapped Wait, in plastic. did we? Yes. You see them dead in the back of the car with plastic around. They're rolled in a tarp. And they are dead. Huh. Like, there's no yeah. way around it. Because you could film this story in a way where you don't reveal those things. Yeah. But it reveals, it's, it's an objective camera, not a subjective camera. If we've been more subjective, like it's only Matt Dillon's perspective the whole time, and we never see anyone else's perspective, it could work. Yeah. But that's not what happens. Yeah. We get the perspectives of other characters, so it can't be the case. And it, so on second viewing, nothing in the movie holds up. It all falls apart to silliness. And then it turns out that Bill Murray's shitty lawyer is totally involved in all this the whole time, which yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> there is one other thing. If we're talking about sexual boundary pushing, we do see Kevin Bacon's penis. Yeah. That's what I remember being the big deal about this movie. <laughs> was... Big deal. Big deal. Uh... <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, she muttered it. For those of you who couldn't hear, Amy said, not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was lovely. Um... It was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, but that's after our I, dick pic conversation. That's what I remember being the really big deal about the movie was was that, and then the makeout scene between the two girls in the pool, which where, makes no, which is the most straight man fantasy. Ugh. Yeah, because first they're, they're in a fighting. slapping cat fight, yeah. and then they make out. But but that happens without Matt Dillon present, so it's something they're doing, which is part of why the reality of the movie doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so fun. Yeah, it is fun, but it just—it doesn't make any sense. The movie. But you gave it. You gave me that it's fun, and that was my point. Like. It's fun the first time you watch it. Okay. For you. Right. I mean, I, I, I just, I think. Okay, I want to go back to your initial assertion, though. How's this a farce? Because it's just making fun of like. Girls and masterminding and, and it, I don't know. Maybe I'm not using the word farce correctly. It's just totally ridiculous. It's I I went this summer and did something for the second time that I now realize like why did it take seven years for me to repeat this adventure? Which is I went and watched Mexican wrestling. It's so great. It's the best. And um, I've been twice now. I want to go back every time. It's so much fun. But I did have that moment of when I was sitting there thinking, why do I enjoy this? And then I went, oh, because it's like clowns doing ballet. Like it's it's yeah, very athletic. Like 
It's very skilled. I enjoy watching people do highly skilled things that I know that I could never do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's pure ridiculousness designed to entertain you. And it's gratuitous. There's sex. There's violence. And none of it takes itself very seriously. I didn't feel like this movie took itself seriously. And I feel like they know it's completely ridiculous, but it's kind of sexy, and there's some violence, and here's some intrigue. So have fun with it, guys. Eat your popcorn. You're not going to feel like you wasted $9. I feel like they framed it that way afterward. Or back back then it would have been a $7 movie ticket. Four. Um, I don't know. I so seven. Like, here's, here's a thought. If I go to like a Mexican Mexican wrestling thing, which I've been to as well, they're great. It's awesome. If I'm in the crowd laughing and cheering, <laughs> yeah, and having a good time, they they would those participating in it, those ladies and gentlemen would be like, "Yep, that's the reaction I want." Yeah. I cannot imagine the people making this movie being thrilled with me laughing at how stupid it is. But it is what's something? Name a funny thing in this movie beyond the just overall it's ridiculous. And besides Bill Murray, because Bill Murray's clearly there to be funny. And when he is funny. Denise Richards goes from zero to a hundred and screams, you skanky bitch, out of nowhere. I laughed out loud at that. But here's the thing. Does it, does it, who decides what a movie is? The creator or the audience? I don't know. Oh, now we're going to get into the intentions of art? But, but, you're, art but, but I'm saying if you look at it as it's total ridiculousness, that makes it okay to watch and it's fine and it's fun. You're saying they didn't intend it that way, so that doesn't count. But I don't think that's true. Well, no, I I half agree with you. You're right. As an audience member... I don't think that's a thing. To half agree? Yeah. Sure it is. (laughs) It'll make sense in a second. So, in... uh, You're right. You can have whatever reaction you want to to a movie. No matter what they intended. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) How do you always frame it to make me look like a prick? Always. So easy. God it's damn so it. easy. Okay, I don't mean you, Amy. I know. I mean the general <laughs> notion of audience. And we all know that, but you fall for it God every time. Damn it. <laughs> so it's someone can react to a thing however One. they react to it. Oh my god. One can react. <laughs> however, I think there's a difference between saying that movie's ridiculous, I think it's hilarious, and saying it's a farce. A farce would seem to imply that's their intention. They're trying to create an exaggerated comedy of manners, this wild, exaggerated thing because the filmmakers are trying... I I think a farce isn't accidental. Farce is a genre of creation. So to say I have made a farce is one thing versus I see it and I go, that's a farce because I'm saying it's a ridiculous hodgepodge of crap. Okay, you're right. Because uh, oh, funny bone. Every time it's a padded chair. I'm not sure how you manage it. Because there's the one part that's not padded. What? Don't hit that part. Um, the you're right, and and with a farce comes a message message that they're trying to portray through. They're lampooning a certain thing yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, that's not happening here. This is no. This is just a ridiculous joyride. Yes, and that's ridiculous. Fun. That's fun. Would this movie be better? And this is a real question. With two glasses of wine? Yep. Oh, God. If, <laughs> if it would have stayed... If on second viewing it still worked. It does work. It doesn't at all. It worked for the me. The reveal, it totally falls apart. None of it holds together. 
The very it works the first time you're watching it because it's oh that's a surprise oh that's a surprise oh that's a surprise. The very last. Re- it doesn't add up to shit. The very last reveal is terrible. Isn't that a problem? Yeah, sure. That it's all that character's machinations behind the scenes, which makes no sense. But it's like ninety five percent good. I'll take that. Okay. You know what? I can't really disagree with that. I disagree with your percentages. If a thing is 95% good, I'm on board. I think this is maybe 60% good, but that's still more than bad, so... Given right. what the movie we're about to discuss... Oh, which is 100% joy? Which is all ridiculousness and silliness that does about. not relate to anything inside its own structure. That. You know what? On that note, we'll transition over. First things first. Would I recommend Wild Things to your mom? Oh, God. <laughs> I really hope you don't. <laughs> Only if I get to watch it with her. Ah, Whoa. Why do you always do that? Whoa. <laughs> Just to see the look on your face. Um, you know what, Gail? I do not recommend Wild Things to you. Not because of the discomfort Amy just had about don't recommend a sex scene to my mom, but because I just think it's kind of stupid. I think it's pretending to be smart and isn't when you stop and think about it for a second. That's probably true. You know? So, I think, was, I think there's other things. It was pretending to be smart. Yeah. And then it all falls apart. But I know you loved that ska music and the Third Eye Blind. Yeah. Actually, there are a couple songs at the beginning of the soundtrack that are pretty great. Yeah. Um, and there's because a couple shots that are really Clinton. good. There's a shot where George Clinton Denise Richards... The, it's the, a George Clinton to the soundtrack? Yeah. I was getting confused. Isn't there more than one George Clinton, though? There's one who does film scores and one who's, you know, oh. the funk. They're not the same guy? I don't think so. <laughs> We should look. Uh, it sounded be amazing, real though. funky. There was a lot of saxophone in it. There's a lot of sax in it. Well, it's part of that like southern 90s noir thing. And just the 90s with the, with the sexy sax, man. Sexy saxy. Um, there's a shot in it Careless when whisper. Denise Richards is being dropped off at home. And her mom is hanging out in a bikini on the balcony from her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they're directly above one another. And they both go into the doors and the doors close at the that same time. That was a good shot. That shot was spectacular. Was there's good. a couple beautiful ones. No one involved in making this movie, like writer, director, did much afterward. Hmm. I feel like that's kind of an interesting measure sometimes of was this a fluke or did they have like a vision they're pursuing? I feel like it's a little bit of a fluke. It's the first movie Kevin Bacon ever produced. That's why he showed his penis in it. That's true. He has a no nudity clause, but he could break it. And he said in an interview, I'd have to sue myself. And that made me laugh. Yeah. But then it makes me wonder, then that feels to me like they didn't write it into it that he was naked, that he was like, ooh, I'm going to be naked. Well, it wouldn't be written into it because he stepped out of the shower. You could just frame it higher. Yeah. We're saying, I just want to show dong, dude. Yeah, that's what I think happened. Yeah. And he is hairless as a baby. Yeah. There is. He's being objectified. As you, I think you pointed out, when there's body hair, they're not being, when there's body hair, it's funny. When there's not body hair, it's supposed to be sexy. Not funny. When there's body hair, it's natural. Were Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon supposed to be lovers? I remembered it that they were, but then it wasn't really clear on this rewatch. I think they're friends. There's something so casual about the nudity of them next to one another that I wondered if they're supposed to have been lovers at some point. You don't do that with your male friends? Just hang out nude? Yeah. We're going to get to how I hang out partially clothed with my friends on the next movie (laughs) because it's real important for this one. Suffice to say, I do not just hang out nude. Because the one character always has his pants unbuttoned? Because every character, whenever possible, does not have on a shirt. But we'll get there. The next movie, Miami Connection, the YK Kim, dare I say it, lost masterpiece. 
You can say it. I did say it. <laughs> I meant it. Please, Amy, I cannot wait to hear a haiku that somehow encapsulates this batshit movie. You're not going to hear that because it's... What? In- it's impossible to encapsulate this movie because there's like eight different storylines. So I did my best. All of which are gold. And I borrowed um, lyrics from one of Dragon Sound's excellent songs. <laughs> They're so good. Okay, keep okay. going. Taekwondo is life, a friend for eternity. <laughs> Too much to sum up. Friends for eternity. Honesty, Stick together through thick and thin. That's so that song is so catchy. Don't even knock that. That song is amazing. Okay, it's bottom pretty, of my heart. It's pretty catchy, but it. First of all, I had trouble knowing if it's called Gangster Ninja or Against the Ninja. Against the Ninja. So yeah. then I realized it's Against the Ninja, and then like thirty minutes later, I realized like, oh, okay, ninjas are bad. Taekwondo is good. Yeah. Which I. I feel like for your standard American audience, perhaps there needed to be a little more explanation there. Um, this is when it's going to be fun to talk about the research on this, but keep going. But yeah, that song, it was like a rock song and they had this huge audience and there yeah. everybody's dancing and the lyrics are friend for eternity, loyalty, honesty. And yeah, that's, those I, are good values to have in our rock music. And two of those words are on a coffee mug you just gave me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd put that together. Like nice and big. Um, but that's not a rock song. Okay, one, let's just recognize that a lot of the movies we've watched have bands playing in clubs and they only play like one song and then go home. Yeah. That's a big thing for the 80s, evidently. Totes. You need, still need to tell us what this okay. movie's about. I can't. Can you start? Okay. So there's a group of guys, and they very proudly attend Central Florida University, <laughs> whose colors are blue and yellow. Um, the colors are blue and yellow. <laughs> That's where you're starting, but okay, go on. And, no, okay, okay. So at the very beginning, there's all this stuff about, like, some drugs, and there's the guy in Miami wearing the fedora, and, like, maybe there's a guy in an Asian country, but you can't really tell. They're all in the United States the whole time. Okay, that wasn't clear. Okay. And and so there's drugs, and something's supposed to be happening with the drugs, but that's never clear. And then <laughs> suddenly, we're at the university, and, or a club. I don't know. I watched it like a week and a half ago. Oh, my God. Um, and they, it's these guys, and they're in a band called Dragon Sound. Um, where they play music and also do Taekwondo moves on the stage because Taekwondo is life. And they also... That's their gimmick. They're the world's only Taekwondo rock band. Yes. And they also practice Taekwondo. And then... So one of the main stories is a gal... I wrote her name down. Because the names in this movie are so original. You have someone named Jeff. You have someone named Jane. Very relatable. someone named Tom. You have yeah. someone named John. You have someone... Like, they just did all sing- monosyllabic names. Um, and I don't also, see the problem with this. Keeps it relatable. The brother's name? Oh, the brother. Okay, I'll get to him. <laughs> but the brother's... Do you think he looks just like Steve Carell? Because I do. Ooh. He's evil Steve Carell, which <gasps> I will pay any money oh. to make Steve Carell star in a remake of this. Or even just recreate a couple scenes. Please, world, make well, this Well, and teeny tiny. Because he was, this man was like four, yeah, but, four foot nine. 
But he had the same body hair. Like, like he looks just like Steve Carell. You're right. With a crazy beard. I'm convinced it might be Steve Carell, and he won't admit it. He's hiding behind the crazy beard. Yeah. That was like a rug. Which is the one Steve Carell would grow. He's a very hairy man. Um, well. Evil Steve gosh, Carell. Gosh, between that and then John Oates was in the movie. Wait, wait. Basically, yeah, knock off. Right? That's, knock off John Oates. I always get yeah. which one is Hall, which one is Oates. Yeah, you're thinking right. Yeah. Daryl Hall's With the, the flippin' Jerry curl yeah. and the mustache. like Angelo Ginotti, the kay. most Italian man in the world. That guy was John Oates. Pretty much. And sang a song about honesty and loyalty, so that kind of seems to fit. Okay, keep going. But you still okay. what this movie's about. So, one of the... <laughs> It's my favorite. Would you like an assist here? No. Okay, I'm just I'm trying to help. One of the storylines <laughs> is that Jane joins the band because she's dating the tall, freakishly tall dude. He's a tall man. Yeah. Um, and um, the brother gets mad about that, and that is not clear why. He's like, very protective of his sister because he's protective of her over everything to overcompensate for the fact that he's a criminal. Okay, but there is no motivation. He just attacks her boyfriend. Yeah, true. Out of nowhere. And then later, the other storyline comes into it, and they try to link it, I think. But it's like (laughs) the people who were in the band that played at that restaurant before Dragon Sound got booted so that Dragon Sound could play. And then they started, like, a war. But but there's a point at which there's just so many people on the screen, and they all have martial arts fighting skills. Kind of. So, like, how am I supposed to know who's a ninja? <laughs> well, none of those guys are ninjas. Okay. Okay. How am I supposed to know who's using, like, karate or Muay Thai and the okay, other none guys... none of those are being used. They're all Taekwondo. Even the bad guys? Pretty sure. Well, then they have seriously compromised their message. Because here's the message I got out of this movie. After four pages of notes, here's what I got out of this movie. This is the message. Drugs, ninjas, and motorcycle gangs are bad. Taekwondo, Central Florida, mild racism, and rapey misogyny are totally okay. Wait, hold on. Rapey misogyny and racism are okay? Yeah. Where's that in this? Um, The beach scene is like super misogynistic oh, it's, it's and super gross. gross. I wouldn't call it rapey, but it's definitely gross. I mean, nobody gets raped, but they like, there's forcible touching that nobody asks It's all that for. weird catcalling 80s weirdness. Okay. Which is bad. I'm not defending it by any means, but I, f- I feel like there's a, there's a well, difference there. Well, the way that Jane's brother's tweaker henchmen talk about her as she walks past. Well, is... they're the bad guys. So that's not them approving of it. That's bad. They're the bad guys being okay. like that. Um, the, okay, then I guess it's not racist, even though they said racist things. However, like, I don't that know. That was the hardest eye roll I've ever seen. I'm amazed your eyes stayed in your head. They, the, 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 the Taekwondo master who had the accent that was real hard to understand. Y.K. Kim, yeah. Okay. His face was painted lighter um, in various scenes in the movie. That's where the mild racism comes in. That's so, part of it. I feel and it like... just made him look sickly. <laughs> right? So ultimately, there's like the sharks and the jets, and they get in a fight, and every, everybody who stands in the way of 
Jane and Tall Guy's love is killed, and this I, is mind blowing. I feel like we watched two different movies, and then somehow the drugs come into it, but it's like totally not clear. I feel like we watched two completely different movies, and you now I Amy, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I think when you watch movies, you do it with open eyes, and you're ready for the experience. Oh, I forgot about the daddy issue, guys. I don't think you did it on this one, though. I think you went no. into this one ready to tear it up. No. I... No. I. You, <laughs> you couldn't... Okay, there's like four different storylines, right? Okay, so there's... They the, do connect. How does the storyline about... Uh, what do we call the only African-American in the movie? We called him Jim, I think. That's my... Jim, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's an interesting choice. Okay, why are you against the name Jim? Would you prefer he was James and not casual? <sighs> number one, why were his pants always unbuttoned? And number two, the storyline about him finding his father is so superfluous and yeah. weird yeah. and like forces all this really painful acting where he's crying but then also <laughs> but then also why would you want that dude back in your life he abandoned you okay so <laughs> and then just because he shows up at the hospital because jim's been stabbed a number of times and then he's like i love you son I will be here for you. I am reading lines off of a cue card, but I love you, even though I have only known you for 45 seconds, but you have holes in you, so I feel like I have to say I love you. That was an amazing reenactment. I just... Tell me how the stories connect. Okay, let me give a little background first. So the guy who's the Taekwondo master, his real name's T.Y. Kim, all right? He was excellent to watch. T.Y. Kim is, in real life, the owner of this huge chain of Taekwondo studios in Orlando. Cobra Kai? No. Dead. But it's the only one he's I a know of. Well, he's a huge he's and he's a huge deal in Orlando. He's a motivational speaker. He's a big deal. So I know. So Did he take elocution lessons? He has a very thick accent, but he's a real deal American success story, American dream. Immigrant who made it happen and has become a very prominent figure in his area. Central Florida. Yes. Now, he's such a big deal there that the city of Orlando basically said he could have all the permits he wants to make this movie and to make a movie about his vision of how the world should be. So he and his Taekwondo students, who are all the actors, which is why they all do Taekwondo, because they're all people from his studio, and none of them can act because they're just a bunch of kids. The guy who wrote the screenplay is just one of the students. He was like, you go read this book on how to write a screenplay, go write a screenplay. It'll be great. So they do. It's this like, let's put on a show, mom and pa, America. We're just gonna do it. We're gonna make a goddamn movie. But there and are they no moms. There are no moms and pas. The whole point of the band is supposedly that they're orphans. Well, wait. Okay. Clearly, <laughs> nice. So, the idea of like, let's put on a show is kind of the spirit of this movie, right? So, but there are those weird moments where they. I wrote that down. That, like, clearly the whole point of this is so they could put forward their... I, I wrote it down. The, the whole point of this movie was to put that message out there that Taekwondo is going to save the world. So, throughout... And, like, mm -hmm. pe peace and unity and... Nah. Are important and good. Yes. Yep. Loyalty and honesty. <laughs> it's great. So... <laughs> so, the guy who you were referring to as John Oates... Yeah. 
Who's one of the? He's the only one of the friends who wasn't an actual Taekwondo student. They had to find someone who was a musician because no one, no one knows how to play any instruments. So they called up John Oates. They called up Angelo Ginotti. <laughs> and he wrote the songs. And he's gr- those songs are no joke, so catchy and good. They're very catchy. The lyrics are super hokey, absolutely. But they yeah, are it earworms. Just, it feels like... They're terrific little pop songs. It feels like these guys sat down and they were like, okay, if we could just get everybody to sign on to the like Taekwondo way of life... You know, whether they want to do the physical stuff or not. But, like, friendship and loyalty and honesty. And it doesn't (laughs) matter what country you come from, because there's also a weird whole part about that. Yes. About our home countries was weird. It has Um, a really nice, sweet heart. Sure. Peace and unity are fabulous. Benetton saves the world. But then they go, but also, wait a minute. Let's put some Taekwondo in there. Oh, Miami, drugs. Oh, Okay, Missing fathers from Vietnam. Here is, when I started watching the movie, I said, I'm just going to make a list of things that are awesome. And I feel like that's a little of how this was written. Think of things that are awesome, let's put them in a movie. A nine-year-old made this movie. I I, was like, I want ninjas, I want rock music. Okay, well hold on. So, okay, rock and roll, ninjas, motorcycles, mustaches, (laughs) 80s fluffy hair, mullets, uh, convertibles, cocaine, throwing stars, nightclubs... Jerry Curl, electronic drums. Cocaine's not cool. They made that very clear. Yeah, but we all know it's really cool. <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried it. No, I know. Me neither, but we all know. You Come worked on. in the restaurant industry. You totally yeah, I've, tried I've seen it. some things in my life. <laughs> um, college is cool. Cra- oh, like, college is so cool that you so cool. and your buddies wear your Central Florida University t-shirts all on the same day, just to make sure that we all understand that these men who are clearly in their late 20s are definitely <laughs> college students. Oh, really? You're going to have a problem with that for this movie? Every movie in the world has people older than the part. I know, but it That's was... a weird thing to harp on for this. I, did I harp? I said it once. <laughs> Harping has a definition. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to very briefly give like a four-sentence version of what the story's about. Okay. So there's the band Dragon Sound. The The female singer in the band happens to be the sister of a drug-pushing gang in the area. Steve Carell. Evil Steve Carell. Evil Steve Carell's gang is in cahoots with a gang of ninjas helping them push cocaine through Florida. Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? That's... I feel like I'm making this amazing. So, <laughs> now, the rival band that got pushed out hires Steve Carell's gang to beat up the new band. These things happen to dovetail together. Okay. So that the rival gangs now all are after Dragon Sound for different reasons. Yes, and I did figure that out, but way later. So it just seems... So Dragon Sound is now in this horrible mess... They're also dealing on the side with their own personal issues. Most notably that they are somehow all orphans who live together and refuse to wear shirts whenever they're at home. And keep their pants unbuttoned. Well, you know, if you're not going to have on a shirt, why bother having your pants buttoned? <laughs> but it's just the one guy. It just makes it all a little bit sexier. And they all also always have a towel slung over their shoulder. You never know when you're going to need one. Douglas Adams taught us this. That's true. So, through that, they get into a bunch of hijinks and fights. And there's the karate, I'm sorry, the, uh, oh, the taekwondo set pieces. I know. How dare you? I know. You? T.Y. Kim would be so upset with me. Um, so they have the big set pieces of all the action. And the fights are actually pretty good. Oh, they're great. 
which is amazing. It's all these amateur guys making it. Some of the shots are actually pretty good in it, too. I, why is that amazing? Like, Because it's people with no experience just going out and making a movie. And I think that's wonderful and, and charming. And that's called YouTube. But Now it is. This is 1988. I know that, but I just... I don't like you. You learn the moves. You can do the moves. My eleven, my thirteen-year-old nephew has a black belt in this shit. He can do it all. Let me see if I got this right. <laughs> Your problem with it is, if you know the moves, you can do the moves. No, I'm just saying. I think you're over celebrating. It's charming. They sure. got together and made the movie of their dreams, and it's a super. All the stuff we're talking about. It is chalk. Full of madness. Yes. There's motorcycle sequences. Yeah. There's a Harley bar, which is the most unpleasant place I've ever seen. Oof, yeah. With some of the strangest nudity weird. in the world. Yeah, like, there was weird, like, squeezing of boobies together that was really Well, they went strange. to the bar and said, like, listen, we'll pay for the beer if you let us film here. So it's just a bunch of bikers hanging out and saying, well, I'm just going to put my boobs on camera because why not? Yeah. And it, it feels like it. It does give it a real authenticity, though. I wanted Pee Wee Herman to show up. I felt like that nice. would improve that scene. Okay, Pee Wee Herman showing up improves every scene. That's not fair. Okay, let me ask you a question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you finish your four sentence? It I... doesn't matter. Okay. You have rules for movies. True. Well, kind of true. You... Every movie has its own logic. Yeah. As long as it sticks to that logic. So it's not that there's rules for movies. Movies make their own rules. What were the rules for this movie? We're going to make the most fun movie possible. And I think they did. Okay, fine. Then do that. But then don't try to superimpose some kind of story that I'm supposed to try to keep up with. Because I can't understand the story because none of it followed. And they changed the brother's name. He had one... Wait, what? Yes. I. This is part of why That I was... might be. It's an amateurish film. He's Jeff at one point, and then I think he's Tom at another point. Or something like that. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I I have four different notes about what is the brother's fucking name. Because Mm. I heard it so many... He goes by different names. He's a gang leader. No. (laughs) It's the problem with the movie, and I'm with you on this, where it seems really hypocritical, is it ends with this title card about it's only through peace that we'll ever find whatever in nonviolence. And it's after, after this incredibly gruesome fight scene of their running around with swords chopping each other. And they kill each other, yeah. Yeah, it's... The opening and closing fight scenes are really violent. Um, and the effects are great. Throwing stars going in people's faces and stuff. So yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Agreed. Makes no sense. But the movie is so bonkers and fun and crazy. It's the perfect... It's the perfect midnight cult movie. Yeah. Which is actually what it has become. I mean, and I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy parts of it. I enjoyed parts of it. But I was so frustrated by how lost I was in it. And not lost in other ways that we've talked about where clearly I wasn't paying attention. Like, I took four pages of notes. I paid a lot of of attention. Did some of your notes, like, distract you too long so you couldn't catch things? Possibly. Just kidding. Um, I really want to start a Dragon Sound cover band. Well, there's only one song to learn. So there's two. Oh, you're right. There's yeah. Against the Ninja and Taekwondo. Friends. Is, Taekwondo is life. I think Friends is the name of the other one, isn't it? 
I like to refer to it as Taekwondo <laughs> okay, as That's life. fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, this, it was insane. I don't have much to say. There's a tough guy gym where one of the gangs works out where they all wear jeans and no shirts but leather hats. Leather! Yes. It's so weird. I, so I wrote them down as one of my favorite things just because they were oh, so crazy was the weird leather tweakers. Like, oh, I love it so real much. Real obvious tweakers that they hired from off the street. And they participated in, in oh my God, there were so, so many scenes where the director if we're calling him that, wow. would come in and say, all right, you guys are going to have a fight. It needs to start with a verbal altercation. I wrote this down. <laughs> okay. I definitely want you to say son of a bitch as many times as you possibly can. And I definitely want you to say the phrase, you don't know what music is. What there? <sighs> and so then in that fight, that is then all they say. Because these are not trained actors. They right. don't know how to ad lib. So that right. in that fight, that dude would stand there and I wish this was a video so you could see me, but he would stand there and be like, Hey, you're a son of a bitch. You don't know what music is. Punch punch punch. You don't know what music is. Punch punch punch. You're a son of a bitch. Punch punch punch. Like that was can it. Can we talk about how you learning the moves? <laughs> Clearly you're sure anyone can do it, because that was impressive. <laughs> you missed your calling, lady. Uh, I think it's I do like to focus on loyalty and honesty, so... <laughs> yeah, you really do. <laughs> Obviously, I need to learn Taekwondo. What's going to get you through thick and thin? Yeah. Um, friends for eternity. Friends for eternity. It is <laughs> an overwhelmingly silly movie in many ways. Yes. I will never say it is a work of high art. It is weirdly sweet, though. It has its heart in the right place at every single turn. And there's something like, for instance, and it's always in movies like this. I know that this is not unique to this film. But I found it charming this, that no one ever has a gun. Fights are always with fists and bats and chains. And there's something weirdly like, I don't know. Are you sure? Charming about that in a weird way. I feel like in the junkyard there might have been a gun. Uh, There are guns eventually. In the first one, in the vast majority of fights, there's no guns. Yes. Um... No, but there's, like, super sharp-ass knives and throwing stars. Well, you still got ninjas. There's more federal regulations, if regulations on throwing stars than there are guns. If I would have found 14-year-old Amy, I said, hey, I'm a stranger. You probably shouldn't talk to me. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the idea of ninjas on motorcycles? You would have fucking applauded. You would have said, yes, sign me the fuck up. Um, I have introduced you already to 14-year-old Amy, so you should know the answer to that is a no. Why would 14-year-old Amy not... Okay, how about 9-year-old Amy? Because she would have totally watched the movie that had the ska music in it. We've been there and had this conversation. Okay, but are you telling me (laughs) the combination of ninjas and motorcycles doesn't make you smile? It does. And when when you sold the movie to me, check the tape, I was like, you had me at Ninja Rock and Roll. And I enjoyed all of that. I just was lost. I, I feel like when you're telling a story... It's it's a it's a link of chains and you each chain means something and you pull your audience along with each chain. <laughs> I hate your face. <laughs> Let's just talk about my three favorite things. Uh, yeah, and I forgot to do my three favorite things. Oh yeah. Let's do Miami Connection first. Yeah, of course. Um so leather tweakers. Sure. Um the fighting was totally fine. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then I really had trouble with the with a third one. Um, Whoa! But I guess it's just like the dialogue 
that was like ad-libbing but not ad-libbing? Oh, some of the dialogue. I wrote down my favorite exchange of dialogue. Oh, please share. Can I read it to you? Yes, please. It's when Jeff, the brother's killed, and the sister and the guy oh, who yeah. killed him get back to it. Sorry I killed your brother. Yeah. It's okay. I understand. You don't have to. It's over now. I love you. Yeah. And it's delivered with that much passion. Yeah, that was a good impression. So good. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah, I, love I mean, so just the sheer badness of the dialogue was yeah. enjoyable. And would I recommend it to my mom? I knew. What? I really thought it might make it. Nope. I, here's, I don't know how to say this without it sounding bad. I'm not sure she enjoys the way of the ninja so much. Does your mom like silly stuff? Yeah. Then why wouldn't you recommend it to her? Because she also likes mm, stories. This has so much story. <laughs> the problem is that it has too much story, not no story. That's true. It has tons of story. And this is an 83-minute movie, including the credits. Ooh, that, and this much happens. That was the text I sent you. It was like, yeah. how could this even be called a feature film? Because I thought it was 90 minutes was right. the requirement. But yeah, at least it was short. It is very short, and it flies right along. It moves at a startlingly fast clip. Yeah. And oh, God, Jim getting the letter from his dad. That's the worst. It's my father! It's so oh, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Okay, I, here's something I think will happen. Now, this isn't exactly defending the movie, but kind of, of why I think oh. people should seek it out. I'll bet you and I make more references to this movie in our future conversations than any other one. I'll come by your office with something and go, it's a letter. It's from my father. And I'll run away. I'll sign off things that friends for eternity. Like, <laughs> we will talk about this movie. Okay. So I just, the examples you gave, so you'll be making lots of references to them. You'll come around wearing your dragon sound shirt. Yeah. And you'll be cool. thrilled. <laughs> and you'll tell me how you're definitely against the ninja. I don't know. I kind of like ninjas. Well, yeah, but that's the... Uh, all right. Well, I I know you're not recommending it to your mom. I that makes me sad, but I understand. I get it. That's how the show works. What were your three favorite things in Wild Things? Three favorite things in Wild Things. Um, some of the cinematography really is startlingly beautiful. Yeah. And there are compositions in the cinematography that are really lovely. Um, second, it's really a movie that, like, the first time watching it, I think is really fun. So even though the logic all falls apart, like first watch, really fun. Um, third thing, there's no question, really first, second, and third thing for that movie is watching Bill Murray. Yeah. And it's weird. I was watching him and I had thought recently, when I look at young Bill Murray and current Bill Murray, I can't connect them in a weird way. Hmm. But this movie is the face that connects those two looks. You can see young and old Bill Murray in his face at the same time. It's a very strange thing. Huh. Yeah. I think you see some of that in Rushmore. Yeah. Which wasn't too many years after this. Yeah. He's a... Bill Murray's terrific in it. Damn it, I love that movie. Rushmore? Yeah. For a very long time, I would say it was my number one favorite movie. But then I started to realize I was too much like Max Fisher, and I was saying too much about myself when I said that, <laughs> and it got real uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not sure it's even my favorite Wes Anderson movie anymore. I'm, I probably got a little bit of Max Fisher. You definitely do, yeah. 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 Next week... Next week... Is going to be kind of connected in a couple weird ways. Yeah, well, we, like we said the last time, we are ending our summers, ostensibly. Yep. It's going to be 100, 110 plus for the next month anyway, but yep. um, teacher, educator summers. 
And so we wanted to end with like a summer blockbuster. Yeah, popcorn movies. Popcorn movies. Pop, so pop, pop, pop. That's me doing popcorn. A lot. That's not what that sounds like. Um, Pretty sure. A lot of mention was made to Starship Troopers on our Facebook page. And I did have to admit that I have never seen it. Which stuns me. I've seen parts of it. Now, Starship Troopers stars Denise Richards, so that's a nice connection. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, who made Basic Instinct, who we were talking about. Oh. So, and he made one of your all-time favorite movies. He made RoboCop. Why do you think that's one of my all-time favorite movies? Because you have taste and you're a human being. Wait, do you not like RoboCop? I'd have to have seen it. Oh my! Wait! What? (laughs) Wait a second! Wait a second! Are you telling me you've never seen RoboCop? I've seen parts of it. Holy shit! I have a RoboCop t-shirt. RoboCop is in like the top five science fiction movies of all time. I know. You're shitting. You've never seen RoboCop. I don't think so. Oh my. God. Not in any significant way. Oh, for those listening who can't see, I just flew out of my chair. Yeah, it was a little frightening. Oh my God. Okay, Starship Troopers. <laughs> Who's the man candy in that? Casper Van Dien. Casper Van Dien. Who, I think if he had a deeper voice, he'd be a giant star. I think it's his high voice that holds him back. He, oh, does he have a high voice? Yeah, it's not low. He's very angular. Well, they had him play Tarzan at one point in like a direct video thing, and yeah. he looked perfect. And he's a very handsome man. So, I'm yeah. watching Starship Troopers. Yes. And... I will be watching. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Well, I had trouble finding one, because I thought probably action and sci-fi, there's things that we would definitely agree on, and then the one that popped into my mind is like a silly summer movie that for me defines the summer pointless blockbuster popcorn movie I knew, I thought he liked. Turns out... There's just a part of it he likes, and he hasn't and seen he, it that's not in a long time. He hasn't seen it in a long time. So anyway, he's got to watch Independence Day. Independence Day, the Roland Emmerich magnum opus. Why do you which, know that off the top of your head? Who directed it? Yes. I just know dumb things. I can't remember useful things, but stupid shit. But I'm way into Bill Pullman these days. Cause Whoa, who I'm, isn't? I'm watching The Sinner, or I finished watching The Sinner. Mm-hmm. Oof, or just Sinner. I don't know. Um, and it's so good. And he's... Yeah, Ladder. Holy smokes, he is so good in it. Can you tell Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton apart? Because that's always been the joke. Well, yeah, because isn't one dead now? Oh, you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> that's messed up. Um, but yes, I could. Yes, the Roland Emmerich Dean Devlin Pax, film. You know how I always separated him out for myself? <laughs> hmm. Bill Paxton was the dickhead older brother in Weird Science. Also true, yeah. God damn, he's so funny. He was that. great. He's I so love him. Funny. I liked Bill Paxton. Aliens. Yeah. He directed one movie called Frailty. Did you ever see that? With uh, Matthew McConaughey about... No. It's terrific. It sounds Little familiar. character horror film. It's yeah. awesome. I liked Bill Paxton a lot. Yeah. He's Sorry. Great. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, well. Uh, so, I'll be watching Independence Day. It's not that I like one scene. It's that I admitted that one scene uh, always makes me cry. And that I have a weakness for that moment in the movie. And that I'm ashamed of said weakness. So, this should be interesting. I haven't seen it in a very long time. This might get ugly. It does have a handsome Jeff Goldblum in it, though. Um, Did you just make an ugh sound to handsome Jeff Goldblum? It also has Brant Spiner in it. And that's where I get excited. This is when I learned... <laughs> You're like, oh, that's that's a man right there. Is Brent Spiner? That's not what I said. I 
You made like a guttural noise. Because he's data. And when he's... You know what does it for me? Robots. Oh, yeah. Wait, you just said, oh, yeah, to that. To data because he's the most human thing that has ever occurred on the planet Earth. That's the whole point of data is that he is more human than humans. That makes no sense. He is more ethic. Okay, it has to make sense because when I went and saw a therapist about how I had secret (laughs) fears that I was a robot, (laughs) I had to be told that in all the... Things, all the sci-fi where the robots are there, it's really the robots who are more humane and ethical. And Data was the example. He has a cat. <laughs> I love Brent Spiner. I just love that the period at the end of the sentence was, he has a cat. <laughs> okay. That was, that was the point of emphasis. He has a cat. We'll see you next week. Go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. We're everywhere if you try to find us. But join the... Like us on Facebook because we've been having fun conversations. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been nice. Till there. And I suspect this one will have big conversations. And I want to know this, those of you who are on Facebook. Which movie is better? I just want a raw vote. All right? You you can explain if you want. I want a raw vote. Which is better? Independence Day or Starship Troopers? People have seen these. Yes. I can make a poll. I, let's run it up and the we pole. Could get, we could get some, some data. Put uh-huh. it up the flagpole. Uh-huh. And da- I got data. it. Data. I got it. <laughs> Thank you for emphasizing it, though, just in case. Well, you said run it up the pole three times. I, that's fair. Yeah. It makes sense. And your Pontius Pilates joke when I walked into your house. You that was that an amazing joke. Four times. Well, because you never laughed, and that didn't make sense to me. I figured you just didn't hear it. I'm Jewish. We have real sensitive feelings about Pontius Pilate. <laughs> He's got a cat. <laughs> All right. On that note, clever that's the catchphrase. <laughs> but I love you, even though I have only known you for forty-five seconds. But you have holes in you, so I feel like I have to say I love you. <laughs> <laughs>